Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for joining us here on this episode. We have been having a good run. We crossed that 260-episode mark. This takes us to episode 261, and we are talking to people regularly on this show who are doing really cool things. They're, they're, they're sort of throwing away the mold and creating their own way in life, and today's guest is certainly an example of that. Today's guest has done so much by the ripe young age of 21 that at 50, I sit here and think, well, I'm clearly a loser because I didn't do any of those things at 21. When I was 21 years old, I was living in a frat house in California at college. And this guy is the director of marketing for Redox. And he is also an entrepreneur who has founded several companies and run several things. And he's done that all you know, before he could probably even shave. And so I had to have him on the show because he is an example of someone who is out there doing cool things things. So today's guest is Q Harrison Terry. Q Harrison, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. I'm, I, I appreciate that intro. <laughs> so you have done a lot of things. Why don't you tell the audience who you are and, and, and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm Q Harrison Terry, and I'm the director of marketing for Redox. Redox is a platform that powers interoperability in healthcare. Um, essentially, we provide access to data um, for like so the developers can connect to that data and then they can utilize it in their applications um, because access to data in healthcare is actually a big problem. Um, oftentimes, if you build an application, you have to build it to the speci- specifications of a health system and and and. And then it's not scalable, right? Like you can't scale your application into another health system without drastically changing or modifying the uh, code base that you've already kind of committed to. So oftentimes um, developers in healthcare are scared um, when it when it comes to like, you know, closing another deal or making modifications to what they do. And we try to alleviate that pain by, you know, making it easier to scale and go faster um, uh, by providing a modern, modern API for healthcare. So this is a startup that you have joined, but you've also started your own businesses. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I um, started my first, first, first company way back when I was like 14, 13. Um, <laughs> I did it with some, some, some other entrepreneurs at the time. It was a t-shirt business. Um, and, you know, I got really the basics of business and from, from that experience. Like, you know, when it, we would launch a new product line, um, we would, uh, I would be super excited. We did everything from like iPhone cases to V-necks and, and t-shirts. But, um, I quickly realized that I wanted to make more money than, you know, t-shirts, whatever allow for. So we started a, an advertising agency, started that with my best friend, Ryan Cowdery. And it was, it was a match made in heaven. We worked on a, a bunch of cool campaigns, um, made some money. And then I took the money I made there and started another company known as 23Vivi. 23Vivi was a failure, but it was one of the, the very few companies that utilized the blockchain to sell digital art. So um, we made a lot of headlines. We're in the Huffington Post, did uh, a ton of interviews and a lot of PR and press. And, you know, we, we went we went through the whole hype cycle. But ultimately, um, we realized that, you know, the investors that we had, we 
we decided to roll with initially weren't really the greatest fit for us. So we ended up giving back all the money. And then I, um, I, I had to take some time for myself, but then um, look at, you know, what the next opportunity could be for me. And I, I looked at the healthcare space because when we were working at 23 Vivi, um, some of our 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 fellow co-founders um, uh, like that were in our cohort of the accelerator that we were in. They started this company known as Behold.ai and they had a really cool, you know, um, artificial intelligence algorithm. But they couldn't train the algorithm because they couldn't get access to the data um, that w- that was hosted within various health systems. And so I saw that problem. And then I knew some other entrepreneurs that were helping entrepreneurs like those at Behold AI um, solve that at Redox. And so I uh, hit them up and was like, yo, I'd be interested in seeing if I could bring some of my marketing wisdom to uh, the platform you guys are, are, are starting. And um, that's that's like a quick background into my life. Well, and it's it's interesting because you talk about the fact that you had this one company that you know you said it failed. I mean, that's really really common for successful entrepreneurs, and that's a lesson that a lot of people don't learn until later in life that it's okay to fail. How how is it starting off so young and you know having a company that doesn't make it? What does that what does that teach you? It taught me a ton about perseverance. It taught me a ton about determination, and twenty three Vivi ultimately taught me a ton about you know what does it mean to make your company great. Um, you know, and, and asking yourself that question every day, right? Like oftentimes when we hear determination or perseverance, we hear the proverbial stories that you see, um, in the media or on like, you know, a medium article, but it's much deeper than that. When you, you invest like your, your time, your energy, your money into something. And, you know, every day I would wake up, I would think about how could I make 23 Vivi the greatest company ever? Um, and, you know, I would say the same was true for my my co-founder Ryan, right? And so, like, just working on something day day in, um, day over day, like day over day, and for a whole year, and then watching it fail, you just learn a lot about yourself and and what perseverance and determination mean to to you truly as an individual. So, what do you think led you to being an entrepreneur? Obviously, starting at fourteen, but then obviously, you know, and when when most people are going off to college, you're diving in and starting these businesses. What what inside of you led you to this life of entrepreneurship? Great question, Tom. I think what ultimately led me to being an entrepreneur was not really thinking about it as an entrepreneur and just kind of doing what I wanted and knowing that you know I wanted to make some money um, while while I was while I was doing it, right? And so. I, I kind of, I kind of just started spinning and I didn't really realize what entrepreneurship was until I was already like, um, I had already had a cadence and like kind of knew what I was doing. So like the t-shirt business definitely was the thing that got me interested in entrepreneurship. I would say like the first company like VNM USA, the advertising agency is what, what made me realize that, you know, startups were the thing that I wanted to do and, and, and starting new businesses is where I was what I enjoy doing the most. So, you know, now that you have taken this path and, you know, you're you're either starting businesses or you're going to work for startups, what is it that you look forward to the most over what, you know, could be a 50 year career? What do you look forward to the most going forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> I love these questions. What I what I love what I love the most or what do I look forward to the most? I would say is the the freedom that entrepreneurship provides after you've kind of you know given give, given 
your hard work and, and put the effort in and, and you can kind of see some of the rewards and success. Uh, the the thing I'm most grateful for is I got started at a super young age. So, you know, hopefully all this pays off within the next 10 to 15 years. And if it does, I've got quite a bit of life to live. Um, and really, like the thing that excites me the most is just being able to be um, an inspiration to the youth, right? Like I have a little brother, um, he looks up to me, but I also like help out with um, a lot of a lot of a lot of un- I guess I would say kids that aren't necessarily as privileged as we don't understand, right? So that's 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 what I look forward to is just being an inspiration and, and letting people know that like you can give yourself your own spin and like just be yourself and that will allow you to do whatever you really want as long as you stay focused. And I think that oftentimes, like, you know, uh, minority youth, they don't get a chance to to see prominent examples that aren't necessarily, you know, in entertainment or um, uh, celebrities in the sense of like sports figures. So it's kind of cool to do this this route and still kind of stay true to who I am as an individual. So it's interesting because, you know, you've, you've taken this path. Are there ever days that you wake up and think, you know what, I could have just, you know, gone to, you know, college for a few years and, and had that whole experience? I mean, do you ever regret starting so early? I mean, I went to college. So that was that was fun. Um, college was one of the best, best times of my life. Um, I met I met all of all of my constant best friends there today. So, I mean, it's it's not something I regret. Um and I, I don't like I think being an entrepreneur, like just kind of like I said, it's not something like I it's not like I wake up every day and like, all right, let me put my entrepreneur hat on. I literally just wake up and just be the best Q Harrison. And it just happens to be that, like, you know, an entre- like entrepreneurial skill sets are already kind of ingrained there. And I think that that boils down to just kind of like um, the basic principles and values that I kind of have. Um, and, and I try to practice day over day. One, I try to be like the most creative individual that I can be. And so I ask myself, you know, what did I create today at the end of every day? Um, I try to have um, I try to keep my integrity as intact as it possibly can. I mean, we're humans. We make mistakes. But like that's a value that I, I really believe in is the the whole concept of integrity, because at the end of the day, like you, you could have. Um, actual assets, but most of those things can be taken from you. But like who you are as a person and what your integrity is, like that can never be um, literally uh, taken from you unless you you destroy it yourself. And then the quality of your work, right? Like um, what are you putting out in the world, and like what is the quality of it? Oftentimes we get caught into the uh, caught up in the notion of you know let's just produce um, you know in, in in crazy quantities and like we're just gonna take a bunch of shots and hit the mo- and hit as many people as we possibly can when oftentimes if you just focus on the quality of the work and 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 stick to a time frame that you can you can you can stay consistent with oftentimes you'll you'll be more successful that way that's what I've learned so Q what advice do you have for Someone who's listening to the show, maybe they're 21 years old and they're thinking, wait, I, I, I don't want to wait to be an entrepreneur until I'm you know, in my 40s. I want to start now. And in fact, you made that comment that you're glad you started early and I chuckled to myself because if you were to ask me the only regret I have about starting my own business, it would be that I didn't start 20 years earlier. I wish that I had started when I was your age. And so you know, looking forward, if someone's listening to the show and, and maybe they're 21, maybe they're 41, what advice do you have for them about becoming an entrepreneur? Um, so I got, I would say two things. One, entrepreneurship is not for the weak hearted. Um, oftentimes it's much, it's much, 
it's it's oftentimes it's much less or there's less stress associated with just kind of doing your own thing and like just getting a regular job and there's 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 nothing uncool about that right i think in 2017 it's cool to be an entrepreneur um very, very much like it was cool to be a photographer in 2012 like <laughs> so every day everyone's an entrepreneur right and i think it's like oh like or a chef right five, yeah. five years ago the coolest job was being a chef exactly right and like now like you know no one can tell you there's very few people that could tell you what a sous chef is right or like um all the ingredients in the in the kitchen but when all that stuff was in the media 24 7 um everyone knew everything about cooking so like entrepreneurship it, it isn't for the weak hearted and if you have a weak heart um and you know that already i think you're 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 shooting yourself in the foot and given that like entrepreneurship is one of the hardest things to pull off, I think what nine out of 10 companies fail or is that the stat? I think that's the stat. It's, it's, it's uh, certainly at well over 50%. It, yeah. So like, you know, you, 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 you want to give yourself the best opportunity out of the gate starting because it only gets harder and harder. Um, but off, but the second thing I would say is if you get stuck, um, which you will, um, whether you're thinking of your next business idea or whether you have a business and you're, you're trying to, you know, um, increase revenue or gather more accounts. Um, you have to start literally drawing with uh, a different, a different utensil. I mean, or yeah, a different pen, a different Sharpie, a different crayon, right? Oftentimes we don't try enough. We try the same thing over and over and over again and expect different results. But if, you start to think outside the box and start to change, you know, um, the procedures one by one. I think you'll you'll be surprised at what you start to learn, and then you can apply that knowledge, and you can start to go a little faster than you once were. So, how important is your network? You mentioned about the fact that you started Twenty Three Vivi with your best friend. How important are the people you surround yourself with, both your peers and then maybe mentors and other people? How important are people to this whole process? I think uh, networking is an integral part of entrepreneurship and just, uh, yeah, I think it's an integral part, right? Like if you don't have a network, it's going to be hard to raise money. If you don't have a network, it's going to be hard to, you know, find talent um, initially. Um, if you don't have a network, you, you, you really just rely on other people's networks, right? And so um, networking is, is how I think deals are made too. Um, a lot of the opportunities that I've kind of stumbled into on um, this podcast, for example, right, is because um, I knew D and, and you knew D, and D was like, you you two should be a good fit. <laughs> um, so it's the it's the the networking component when you're younger is much harder to do um, versus when you've 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 had a couple years on, on this earth. So the way I like kind of jump started that was I got started on LinkedIn um, four or five years ago. Um, and I've just been trying to like grow my network through that. Every time I meet someone, I get their information. I have an email list where I touch, uh, a lot of the people I care about, um, week over week, every Tuesday. So it's just kind of like putting stuff out there and making sure that it gets in front of the people that, you know, you care to have a relationship with. And so when you need to ask them for something, or if you need to, you know, get advice or they, they need help from you, um, you're making it as frictionless as possible to kind of, um, get that, that ask going or get that relationship uh, warmed up a bit. So that's kind of like my, my experience with networking. So I noticed on your bio, one of the topics that you can speak about is how to take a startup from a hundred clients to a thousand clients. What are a couple of tips for someone who has a startup who, who needs to grow their clientele? What, what tips do you have to grow your business? 
Yeah, uh, great question. So, um, from my from my my angle, I always look at like look at it from the marketing uh, perspective, and like when you're marketing, knowing who you're marketing to is probably something that is said a ton of times, but I don't think we we live it enough. Um, really knowing your consumers and knowing their their behaviors, right? Um, there's a lot of data out there, whether you're using Facebook, Instagram, uh, Google Analytics on your own site, or even a, a third party tool like a Clearbit, right? You should definitely be using that data to your advantage and you should you should get your marketing stack to, um, or your 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 top of the like the top of the funnel of whatever company or organization you're working on. Make sure everything's connected. Um, you know, MailChimp is a great tool if you're a solo entrepreneur. Um, you can connect that to a Shopify or a Stripe account, and then you can kind of see every email saying that you've sent, you know, who's opened it, who who's unsubscribed, but then ultimately who's purchased. And you kind of get a good 360 funnel. Focus on those 10 people that, you know, are, are the, the personas you really you really want and enjoy working with, with for your company or business. And then, like, look at their behaviors and then always ask yourself, you know, how can I get, you know, another one of this this person or how can I get 10 more of this person? And oftentimes you kind of will know what to do. You just haven't been looking at the right data. So I have a couple more questions for you before I let you go. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Q Harrison Terry. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have to listeners of the show. So Q, what's something new and exciting? I call this show cool things entrepreneurs do. So I like to know the cool things you're doing with your business right now. Essentially, one of the coolest things that I'm, I'm working on right now is um, I think Redox. Redox is you know solving a great problem of interoperability in healthcare. And I'm also talking about the future of technology. So I've got some, I've got a health, what I call like the health tech version of uh, quick theories coming soon. Um, if you go to redoxengine.com and you click on our blog, you'll kind of see some articles I've written there, but we're about to dive deeper into some video content. And I'm going to be talking a lot about the exciting opportunities for startups and um, the impact that artificial intelligence has had in the healthcare space. So that's something that is on the horizon that I feel like the listeners might enjoy a bit. Well, and AI is like all over the news right now. I mean, it's going to it's going to affect and change everything. How is it going to change the life of entrepreneurs? That's a good, that's a wonderful question. So, there's two things I think that AI is going to do. First, I think having an AI co-founder isn't that crazy of an idea within the next, you know, 7 to 10 years from now. Um and what I mean by that is literally an algorithm will be your co-founder. So, people will start companies with uh AI algorithms and I think that like what's going to be cool is that algorithm will be able to run certain aspects of the company in the same way that, you know, a C-suite executive would do today. Um, the second thing I would say is AI um, changes the way we do business um, as, a, as an entrepreneur. Right. Um, you can use uh, AI today in your everyday 
like if you're a marketer, you can use Grammarly, right? And Grammarly is basically an AI algorithm that takes a look at what you've written on a page and corrects it so that, you know, grammatically it, it, it is, it's legit. Um, you know, we use AI to power some of the, the business, the, the things that we do in our business from an accounting perspective. Um, so, you know, like receipts and expenses, like we automatically kind of file those. Um, those are very like, I guess I would say binary task. Like you do one thing, then this happens and occurs. But as the algorithms get um, smarter and stronger and faster, um, and the access to the the technology to power those algorithms um, gets cheaper. Then we'll start to see AI being used in our everyday lives just more and more. And I think that you know, as an entrepreneur, the coolest thing about about being an entrepreneur is you're never really looking for the next opportunity because you kind of start to put the next opportunity in your hand. And that's like the one that you're working with. So the entrepreneurs that are using AI today are probably going to be the ones teaching the 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 incumbents um, on how to how to grow their business and 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 expand from there. So um, some cool people that come to mind is the founders of Slackbot, um, or not Slackbot, but not Slackbot, but Growthbot. So it's a Slackbot known known as Growthbot. And it basically is like having an in-house marketer um, at your fingertips all, at all times if you're like a small company or a big company and you can ask it questions like how, how much is, um, you know, Airbnb spending on uh, Google AdWords, um, how much or how much uh, SEO, organic SEO traffic does uh, Airbnb.com get? Um, how big is this company? Like, and you can just ask this bot and, and that is in your Slack application um, all of these questions and it, it's right at your fingertips and it's free, which is crazy. So like that's an example of AI um, being utilized in the business sense too. Well, so AI is a, is a really big thing for entrepreneurs, I think. Well, and I think it, it's amazing and also in conversations that I have with people, how few people have any understanding right now of what's going on in the world of AI. I'm always like, come on, people. This is, this is I mean, this is bigger than, I read somewhere it's going to be bigger than the internet. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's if this happens the way it's being predicted, you know, in five years, this is going to be our life. And so I think that entrepreneurs who aren't paying attention are, are clearly going to be behind that eight ball. Yeah. And I think it's going to be very hard to not pay attention. Right. I mean, like you see, like Siri is such a big part of our everyday lives, whether it's like, you know, the auto correct um, power in the keyboard or like literally talking to Siri um, and asking it to, you know, what the we- what the weather is today. But then we also see like the Amazon Alexa. We see the Google Assistant. Um, we see self-driving cars. We see, uh, you know, AI being used for now transportation. Um, it's it's just it's it's almost like it's entering our lives, but it's also like an invisible part of our lives, too, because you don't really interact with AI as much as it does with you. Well, and I've been sort of paying attention to the world of conferences and, and professional speakers because I make my living as a speaker and a master of ceremonies. How is this going to change the way we interact at conferences and how are we going to be able to sort of control – not necessarily control but influence the way information is given to us based on what the audience is experiencing at the conference? And I think like in my world, I think we're going to have to be able to be much more streamlined to be able to change on the fly while we're giving speeches or while we're giving content uh, based on you know the information that's there, uh, that's there in the actual chairs in the audience with the people. And it's going to have to go through some sort of an AI to feed back so that constant change can be made. So I find this, I find this stuff extravagantly fascinating. I think AI in conferences, the, the 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 cool, the biggest impact I see, I think it'll have is real time analytics on who's at a conference and where they are, and being able to adjust uh, 
uh, the size of a panel um, based on the 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 consumer engagement in real time. Yep. Um, I think that that would be super cool. Like, you know, if uh, the president is going to speak at, you know, South by Southwest next year and they have ballroom B, D and C open, um, but they know based on like, you know, the, the number of people that have opened the app and clicked in to, to, to see, you know, that they are to see if they're interested or not and they've responded, you know, they can open up ballroom E and then accommodate the extra seats. Like yep. we've never really seen that. And I think that that would, uh, that would, that would, that would, that would increase, uh, the overall ex- the experience for the consumer at a conference because it's like, Oh, I used to not be able to get into this event, but now I know if I use this app in time, I might have a, a higher chance of getting there. And just your overall experience is, is, is enlightened a bit. Yeah, and I think even for the speaker and the presenter, being able to be real-time aware of what you cover that that audience wants to hear and being able to adjust on the fly, I think that's going to be a big part of it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Hey, so I could talk to you about all the cool things you're doing you know, in your business and your businesses. However, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I think great entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask the guests on the show – Who's another entrepreneur, someone you see out there who you think, wow, they're doing cool stuff? Yeah, man, that's a great question. So um, what, how, do, how do I uh, start? Do I, do I only get one? Or well, you, you know what? There's, there's no rules. <laughs> there's no rules. How many you want? Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll just I'll go for like three or four. Right. Um, the first person I would say is Sherelle Dorsey. Um, she's based out of North Carolina. Um, and she runs this, uh, email newsletter known as the plug daily, um, very interesting business model, um, in the form of journal journalism, um, and really just syndicating, getting syndicated content to, uh, to people's inboxes. I would check it, just Google her and you can find her. Um, another person I would shout out is Andre Blackman from, um, onboard health. Um, they're, they've got some cool stuff on the horizon. Um, they basically specialize in engaging the population, about um, public health and, you know, what what's going on in public health and, and making sense of, you know, some of the audacious terms that are used there. So I, I really love what they're doing. Who else would I give a shout out to? Um, one of my first all time inspirations would be DJ Ski or Scott Keeney. Um, he has a venture right now. Um, it's in Silicon Valley. It's called Dash Radio. They just crossed, I think, the million uh, listeners mark. Um, I think that was a, a while ago. So they, they're growing rapidly. Um, I really respect what they've got. And then fourth, let me see, who who, who do I respect a ton? Um, the fourth card I would give, uh, yeah, check out the waiterspad.com. Um, so there, there's a friend of ours named Michael. Um, I, I, I don't want to say his last name because I know I'll, I'll mess it up. But um, if you go to the waiterspad.com, I really love that website and what they're doing um, because I think that they're, I think journalism, the business model is changing right now, right? Like we went from like journalists had to work for like a New York times to really make a decent living to now like journalists can start their own thing and, and get their own community engaged around them. And it will, 
and and now they have like a platform that they can live in and, and do what they love. So the waiter's pad is a great exa- example of that. So those are the four I would shout out. Oh, that's awesome. So the last question I ask everybody is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. I think they want to help people along the way. So so what do you do? Most certainly. Um, what I'm currently working on is uh, youth empowerment, right? So just uh, given that I'm 21 and, you know, I am African-American, I do uh, I do try to reach back out to other members in the community and uh, and try to get people on the right track. I mean, sometimes we just need to have our intentions reset. And it's oftentimes harder for individuals that are a little older to connect with, you know, the youth, um, especially when they're distracted by a lot of different things. So at South by Southwest, I uh I worked on a on a panel um, and with of of uh, what was the name of the company? They were called um, Asset Builders of America, and they have a program called uh, Go for It. And basically, they bring troubled youth from Milwaukee to uh, South by Southwest. I uh, worked on on that campaign and and, and spoke to the, to the youth there. Um, I'm working on another campaign this summer with this program called Connects, where, you know, I'm going to be doing the same thing, but with youth based out of uh, southeastern Wisconsin. So I try to just focus on, on the youth man, and get them interested in, in entrepreneurship, but also like um, letting them know that, like, if you have a crazy idea, um, you know, go for it. Like, don't 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 limit yourself just because you don't see anyone else doing it um and if you do some research and no one else is doing it there's either two things one it's a brilliant idea or two um there's a reason why people aren't aren't uh, aren't doing it right and oftentimes i i always give the example of airbnb right nine years ago when uh brian and his co-founders started airbnb it sounded like the craziest thing on earth right like I, let let's Let's charge people money to stay on other people's couches. And imagine if you were an investor at the time when they were giving that pitch, how many people you think told them no and that that was the dumbest idea that they had ever heard. And now and they're then disrupting, later, yeah, they're disrupting the whole hospitality industry. It's amazing. Exactly. They're, they're greater than the, the whole hospitality industry. So it's, it's crazy. Like those dumb ideas do pay off. And oftentimes the dumb ideas are the greatest ones. Well, Q. Harrison, Terry, thank you so much for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody's listening and they want to find out more about you, and and I recommend you find out more about this guy because you're going to be on the cover of Entrepreneur Forbes and Fortune someday, I can tell. How do people find you? Yeah, so the quickest way to find me is just to go to quicktheories.com. Drop in your your email um, and then, you know, you'll get an email from me. Reach out. And if you have any questions or you want to learn more, I'll respond to that email because I I check them all. So awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being a guest. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this episode, because I think that he had a lot of knowledge and a lot of ideas that's really important. And if you know some people who are younger entrepreneurs or they're younger and they want to be entrepreneurs, it's people like Q that they have to know because they need to know that it's all right to go out and start their own path in the world. Like I said, I wish I had done it earlier than my 40s. Uh, I think I would be farther along in my own journey if I had been brave like this guy is. So thank you again for tuning in. If it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Q. Harris and Terry. 
But if you want to stay involved with us in between shows, jump over to the Facebook page, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Follow us on Twitter, at Cool Podcast. And if you want to join the Cool Things Project, the group coaching program, it's getting ready to grow. So now is the time to do it. You can find out information about that over at my website, which is TomSinger.com. Hey, we'll see you with the next interview in a couple of days. So go on out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.